Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Jimmy Coonan. I'm a member of the Carpenters and Joiners Local 314. Your support in any amount helps make Labor Radio all the great programming on WART possible. And I'm Anna Ham. While I'm not currently in the union, when I get a few drinks in under my belt, I will become a little wobbly. Today, we th- this week, we share how Madison is celebrating May Day, learn about upcoming union activities for National Nurses Week, catch up with organizing at Raven Software, CUNA, and Starbucks, and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio. Yesterday was Workers' Memorial Day. Greg Jabowski reports on how local unions commemorated this solemn day. Dylan Banks, Javerlo Banks, Charles Best, Timothy Bloom, Lantana. Yesterday, April 28th, was International Workers' Memorial Day, and on a cold and windy late morning in Madison, workers were memorialized at an annual ceremony held at the Labor Temple by the South Central Federation of Labor, or SCUFFLE, with rows of symbolic headstones representing those killed on the job serving as a backdrop. Speakers from labor, government offices, and the faith community spoke of the importance of this day, and in the end, fellow workers read off the names of those Wisconsin workers who died on the job in the last year. April 28th is also, coincidentally, the anniversary of the founding of the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. Chad Greenwood, Area Director of OSHA, spoke of the importance of this day. While there has been a decline in fatal work injuries among some demographics, the share of Hispanic or Latino workers fatally injured on the job has continued to grow, increasing from 20.4% in 2019 to 22.5% in 2020. The Workers' Memorial Day is a great time to stop and remember the people who have lost their lives while on the job. On this day, we mourn each of those lives We reflect on the impact their loss has on their families and communities, and we recommit ourselves to our moral obligation and duty to protect America's workers. Millen Mitchell, president of the International Association of Firefighters, Local 311, and president of the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin, stressed how the additional perils of COVID hurt workers. It's been 50 plus years since the job safety laws were enacted in this country. Since then, we've made great progress in making workplaces safer and protecting workers. Still, too many workers are being killed and injured on the job. We fight on behalf of all workers, those organized and those unorganized. When we consider what that fight looks like moving forward, we have to look at the emerging needs of workers and the safety of their families and communities during the pandemic. COVID tested all of us as we fight, putting together workplace protections for our members, our families, and our communities. A key local union organizing drive is the fight to bring back collective bargaining at UW Health. Sherry Signer is a registered nurse and a member of SEIU Health at UW Hospital and had this to say yesterday. The past few years have been so difficult for all working people and especially healthcare workers. Up to 180,000 healthcare workers have died from COVID worldwide. 
Over 3,600 U.S. healthcare workers died in the first year of the pandemic alone. At UW Health, nurses and healthcare workers were forced to struggle through the pandemic without adequate personal protective equipment, training, or safe staffing levels. There was an almost total lack of transparency and accountability from executives. As a result, many employees and their family members fell ill with COVID. A final count by Scuffle, as of today, finds 61 confirmed workers' deaths this year. The Labor Federation has to check multiple sources, as no central data bank of all worker deaths exists, although OSHA's records are the closest to definitive. Kevin Gunlock, president of Scuffle, stressed that many deaths, including, in just some examples, those caused by long-term illness, transport accidents to and from work due to hurrying or fatigue, and many farm accidents, where there's a high percentage of undocumented and child laborers, go unreported. So we know that there are many more names to read off than just the ones that we said is unknown. That was Kevin Gunlock of Scuffle. Later in the evening yesterday, the Building Trades Council of South Central Wisconsin held a memorial for eight trades workers killed this year with a march and church service near Capitol Square. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jaboski. Negotiations between OPEIU Local 39 and CUNA Mutual have been going on for more than two months. Frank Emspack speaks with the local for an update. The contract between CUNA Mutual and OPEIU Local 39 expired more than a month ago. The local has been meeting with the company since February to work out a new contract. In fact, workers began preparing for what they perceived to be a difficult challenge since last July. Labor Radio spoke with Joe Vika, Chief Steward of the CUNA Division of Local 39 and a member of the Bargaining Committee. We asked Joe, what are the most important issues of concern to the membership? So our members have identified five main priorities going into bargaining with the company this year. The first would be job security, so protections from outsourcing and contracting of work. The second would be fair compensation, so wages that uh, keep up with in the high rates of inflation that we're seeing. A third would be uh, protecting our HMO healthcare plan, which our company has proposed to eliminate in this contract. Another is retirement security. So our company is currently proposing to freeze the pension plan for new hires. And finally, remote work, uh, continuing the flexibility around remote work into the future beyond the pandemic. Are those issues being addressed by the company? Right now, I would say that the company's proposals on most of these things really fall significantly short. It's unfortunate because the company made record profits last year, almost $600 million in net profit after all expenses were paid, yet they're still offering us a contract that would cut our health care, freeze our pension, and all these kinds of things that really don't correspond with the kind of value that we bring to the company. What is your overall assessment of the process so far? I'd say overall that although the proposals right now that we're, we've gotten thus far from the company haven't changed and, and don't meet what they need to, we have at least gotten into some pretty positive discussions between the union and the company regarding job security. So we're just kind of hoping that those kinds of things continue going forward. 
like to thank Joe Avica for this interview. Observers have noted that even if there are no written proposals as yet, the fact that the issues are being addressed is a positive sign. In negotiations like this, the big financial offers are often addressed late after important non-financial issues like job security are dealt with. Listeners can meet CUNA workers on Sunday, May 1st, by coming out and joining the union's informational picket in front of CUNA on Mineral Point Road, 10 a.m. in the morning, Sunday, May 1st. There will be a picnic afterwards. I am Frank Emsbach, reporting for Madison Labor Radio. Today, the election for union representation begins at Raven Software. Labor Radio's Frank Emspeck has this story. Today, mail ballots will be mailed to workers at Raven Software. Workers will have the chance to vote on whether or not they want to be represented by the Game Workers Alliance of North America. The alliance is affiliated with the Communication Workers of America. On January 21st, workers at Raven Software on January 21st, workers at Raven Software, a video game studio under Activision Blizzard, announced the launch of their union, Game Workers Alliance Union, with the Communication Workers of America. Workers at Raven's Quality Assurance Department requested voluntary recognition from Activision Blizzard management in alignment with the desire of a supermajority of their workforce. Game Workers Alliance is the first unit with an Activision Blizzard to form a union. Microsoft recently announced plans to acquire the company. Although the company could have agreed to voluntary recognition, they did not, and forced the union to go to the National Labor Relations Board to order an election. On April 22nd, the NLRB ordered that an election proceed. Workers started voting today via mail ballots. The count will be May 23rd. The Game Workers Alliance came on the heels of Raven QA workers entering week five of their strike. The strike began December 6th when over 60 Raven software workers walked out in protest after Activision Blizzard laid off 12 of the studio's quality assurance testers. The Raven QA strike was the third work stoppage since Activision Blizzard was sued in late July over sexual harassment and misconduct claims. Raven's workers were inspired by the union's victory at Vodo, which recognized the union voluntarily. The Game Workers Alliance is an international movement, reflecting the international reach of the video game industry. As the Game Workers Unite puts it, quote, We are an international grassroots movement, an organization dedicated to unionizing the game and industry. We are game workers interested in organizing with everyone who helps make games, and we mean everyone. We build our movement through local grassroots organizing because we understand that worker power comes from the bottom up. No one can speak for workers better than themselves. To this end, 
We found local chapters, aid community building, develop and provide organizer training, work with existing labor unions and organizations, and share resources on an international level. We seek to bring hope and empower those suffering in this industry. End quote. I'm Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio. Starbucks workers are organizing and momentum is building. Here is Carol Wydell with the story. Workers at Starbucks coffee shops are organizing and seeking recognition across the country. In March of this year, more Starbucks stores in the Buffalo, New York area filed with the National Labor Relations Board for union recognition. This success was widely publicized. M.C. Floriani is an organizer for Workers United based in Chicago. She explained how success generates more momentum in organizing. So there's just lots of workers who want this and would have done it, but needed a push or like needed to know that it was even possible. Lots of people barely even think it's possible in the restaurant industry to do this. They might not even know it's legal. Being in the news kind of taught all these people across the country that they have just as much a right to do this as anybody else at work. And now we've filed in over 200 stores since then. Workers United supports organizing at Starbucks under the umbrella of Service Employees International Union, or SEIU. Workers United is an international union uh, with membership in Canada and the United States. We're organized via regional joint boards. So workers in Wisconsin are working with the Chicago and Midwest Regional Joint Board of Workers United. And Workers United is an affiliate union of the larger union, Service Employees International United, SEIU. Yes, it's an affiliate union. So we have separate leaders and a separate organizational structure, but we're sort of under the umbrella of this much larger union and receive logistical financial support from them. Reporter Greg Jabowski spoke to barista Lee Marfiak. My name is Lee Marfiak. I'm a barista at the Starbucks right by the Capitol building. Um, and I'm in the process of unionizing our store and hopefully we'll be a union member soon. Organizing is going well. Just last week we had our hearing, um, which went well. So we're kind of expecting an election date to come out in the near future. Um, obviously that will be the big milestone once we start casting those votes and counting them up probably a month or two from now. In addition to Workers United, United Food and Commercial Workers issued a press release about three Starbucks locations in Dane County that filed for representation with the UFCW. Mackie Davidson, a shift supervisor at Starbucks in Fitchburg, said, quote, We are organizing because we know, as union partners, we can make things better at Starbucks, unquote. On Monday, May Day, Workers United will celebrate 3 to 4 p.m. at 1 East Main Street. Onward to Victory is the rallying cry of this historic event. That's 3 to 4 p.m. at the Capitol Square Starbucks on May 1st. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. Hello. Uh, May Day, otherwise known as International Workers' Day or Labor Day, is recognized as the day to celebrate the contributions of workers around the world. Labor Radio's Ellen LaLazerne provides information about the day and the events happening in our area. Workers and their unions in our area are celebrating May Day in the spirit of supporting rights and improving working conditions. For example, CUNA employees are holding an informational picket, and Starbucks workers are celebrating their unionization efforts. 
The day has roots in our area. On May 1, 1886, workers struck for an eight-hour workday in Chicago. On May 4th, an unidentified person threw a dynamite bomb into the crowd. Police responded by firing on the workers, leading to an escalation of violence, leading to the deaths of seven police officers and four workers, as well as many injuries. Labor leaders and sympathizers were later tried, and that led to the execution of four union organizers. The series of events has become known as the Haymarket Massacre. In addition, on May 5th at a rally in Milwaukee, the state militia fired on rallying workers for the eight-hour day, killing seven strikers. The event is known as the Bayview Tragedy. In 1889, the Second International, a coalition of communists and socialists, called for demonstrations on the anniversary of the Haymarket Massacre. The International Socialist Congress in 1904 called for socialists and trade unions to demonstrate on the first day of May in support of the eight-hour day and for universal peace. May Day has become recognized around the world as a day to highlight the contributions of the working class. And although Labor Day is set for the first Monday in September in the U.S., this year's May Day seems to be gaining recognition. In the Madison and surrounding areas, a number of events are taking place to support workers organizing for a better life. Events this Sunday, May 1st, include, as mentioned earlier, an informational picket for a fair contract from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at 5810 Mineral Point Road, followed by a celebratory picnic lunch from 1 to 3 p.m. at Garner Park. All are welcome. Starbucks workers invite folks to join them in a show of solidarity at the 1 East Main Street Starbucks from 3 to 4 p.m. Worker Justice Wisconsin will be celebrating the opening of their new offices and membership program from 4 to 8 p.m. The Madison Area DSA is holding a cookout and celebration from 4.30 to 8.30 at the Warner Park Shelter. And finally, Voces de la Frontera is calling for a two-day general strike, or Un Día Sin Emigrantes, Wisconsin, for Sunday, May 1st at 11 a.m. at 733 Historic W. Mitchell Street in Milwaukee. And on Monday, May 2nd, they're asking folks to join them in Madison at the Capitol to rally for restoration of state driver's licenses for immigrants. This May Day looks to be a day filled with events and actions to support and celebrate the working class in the Madison and surrounding areas. For details on these events, you can go to the South Central Federation of Labor's webpage at scuffle.org. That's S-T-F-L dot org. I'm Ellen LaLazern for Labor Radio. A union-led drive to get U.S. Senators to sign on to Medicare for All legislation has come to Madison this week. Greg, Greg Jabowski has this report. On Wednesday, community volunteers gathered to collect signatures for a petition in support of national Medicare for All legislation, which would replace the current private insurance and profit-based system of health care in the U.S. The campaign was organized nationally by the San Diego-based National Nurses Union, the NNU. Madison resident and volunteer Sorrel Weekland was at the East Transfer Point in Milwaukee Street on Wednesday. Weekland explained why he was there. We're collecting signatures to petition Tammy Baldwin to co-sign the Medicare for All bill that Bernie Sanders is going to put forward pretty soon in the Senate. It's hard to imagine that there's a working American who hasn't at some point in their life worried about their health care, whether it's losing it because they've lost their job or quit their job or for any number of ridiculous reasons. I had a job where I lost my health insurance while I was employed three times because I wasn't working for a week. 
and they just discontinued the insurance when there wasn't any money to take out of my paycheck and I had to reapply. I mean, there's so many ridiculous ways you can lose your insurance. And even if you have insurance, the amount that you have to pay just goes up and up. Max Cutterell, an organizer for NNU, explains why his union is conducting this national drive. NNU is the country's largest union of registered nurses. We have over 175,000 members countrywide. And support for guaranteed health care for a single-payer system has been a part of our union ever since it was founded. The nurses in our union have been helping to lead the fight for Medicare for All for decades, both in California with the California Nurses Association and on the national level in Congress. Cuddle explains what the current campaign is about. We are organizing a Senate Medicare for All week of action across the country which just kicked off two days ago, starting on April 27th, and it's going to be running through May 6th. And what we're doing is helping not only nurses, but anybody who supports Medicare for All, anywhere that they are in the country, to organize QR code canvases. Medicare for All supporters will gather together in their local communities, anywhere where there's people walking around, and then they'll go through a kind of a quick training and talk to their neighbors and community members about Medicare for All. They'll talk about the fact that Medicare for All is about to be reintroduced into the Senate, and then they'll be gathering petition signatures, calling on U.S. senators to co-sponsor the bill. Cotterill and his union feel that universal single-payer health care is vital for unions and all working people. Anybody who's been involved in a union knows that, that health care is such a huge issue at the bargaining table. During strikes, health care, because most people in this country who do have health care get it through their jobs primarily, you know, we see when workers go out on strike, not only is it a, a major reason for strikes, but it can also be a tool of the boss, right? They can take away health care during a strike to, to punish workers. It's such an important issue for workers, and the labor movement has such an important role to play. That was Max Cotterill, an organizer for the National Nurses Union. The NNU Senate petition campaign continues through Friday. Another action in Madison will be this Tuesday, May 3rd, starting at the Warner Park Community Center in North Madison at 5.30 p.m. Go to medicareforall.org. That's medicare4all.org and click on the Madison dot on their map for more info or to volunteer yourself. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. <laughs> Of the city where the sun refused to shine, yeah. People tell me there ain't no use in trying, yeah. Now, my girl, you're so young and pretty. Here are the details on an upcoming union hosted blood drive and more events to be held during National Nurses Week. Your union is going to be sponsoring a blood drive. So can you tell me about that upcoming blood drive? May 6th through 12th is National Nurses Week. May 12th is the birthday of Florence Nightingale, who is just one of our historical nursing figures upon which our nursing profession was built. May 6th through 12th is Nurses Week 2022. On May 9th and May 10th, the union nurses that I work with are hosting an important blood drive, Honor a Nurse, Save a Life blood drive, Monday, May 9th and Tuesday, May 10th, 1 to 5.30 at the Madison Labor Temple, 1602 South Park Street. And people can go to www.redcrossblood.org, listed under Madison Labor Temple, or people can call 1-800-RED-CROSS. 
So why did you decide to do this blood drive? Because of the pandemic, blood drives stopped. And currently there is a critical shortage of blood. So this year we wanted to give back to our communities in doing a blood drive. Can you share anything about what's going on with the AFSCME members who work at these events? The Red Cross workers that will be working our blood drive are AFSCME locals 1558 and 1205. They are currently going through contract negotiations. We wouldn't be able to do this without the work that they do in supporting us in our efforts for this blood drive. Your union's also going to be setting up a food truck. On May 6th, we're kicking off celebrating nurses with a food truck. Everybody is welcomed. El Burrito Loco will be on the corner of Mound Street and Southbrook Street, May 6th, Friday, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Union Cab actually has donated their taxi stand to us to be able to put our food truck. Union Cab, thank you for a very beautiful resolution that their board passed unanimously a couple nights ago in support of not only nurses at Meritor Hospital, but also the UW nurses at UW Hospital who are fighting to reclaim their union there. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? We need to celebrate nurses and the work that we do for our patients to make our communities healthier and stronger. The nursing shortage that existed prior to the pandemic, these past two years have made it even harsher. That's why this year for Nurses Week, we really are proud of the work that we do and how we provide such important care to our patients and our communities. That was Victoria Gutierrez, a union nurse with SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin, who works at Meritor Hospital. I'm Ellen Lalazern for Labor Radio. Our statistic of the week discusses wage tracking at big box and other retail stores. 13%, that is the statistic of the week. Amazon reports 13% of its employees earn at least $20 an hour. This is from the Wage Tracker from the Economic Policy Institute. The company Wage Tracker, a new online interactive feature from EPI and the Shift Project, breaks down worker wages at 66 service sector firms. Low wages are widespread in the service sector of the economy, which also is notorious for poor working conditions. Compare Amazon's 13% earning $20 an hour or more to 53% of Costco employees earning that wage. At the same time, big box stores, restaurant groups, grocery stores, and other big firms in these industries generate a lot in revenue, they often reward their CEOs with hefty compensation packages. The listener can look up wage information at the website epi.org. Search for Wage Tracker. This is Carol Weidel, reporting for Labor Radio. You can now hear our show anytime. Just subscribe to Labor Radio Podcast. Here's Labor Radio's Janine Hamsley with the details. Are you a worker? Then we have news for you. Labor Radio is a news program by, for, and about working people. As we enter our third decade on the WART airwaves, we're excited to bring you a new way to listen via a podcast. The Labor Radio podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Rate and subscribe to bring more working people's issues to the digital airwaves. That's the Labor Radio podcast available from your community radio station, WORT 89.9 FM Madison.
Remember, remember, there will be an OPI. OPEIU informational picket on Sunday at 10 a.m. at CUNA, uh, 5810 Mineral Point Road. Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Jimmy Coonan. Thanks to editors Frank Emsbach, Ellen Lalazern, Assistant Robert G. Robin G., reporters Greg Jabowski, Sean Hangerup, Anna Ham, Scott McCullough, Jeannie Ramsey, Carol Weidel, and Damage Control Specialist, our own Joanne Powers. Thank you as well to the website editor, J.J. Meyer. Special thanks to Keith Steffens, our reading coordinator, and to all our readers and members of the IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. And I'm Canaham. We'd also like to thank all of the generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts. That's Anaham. <laughs>